Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Adreno Spearfishing Supplies. Adreno is one of the world's biggest and best spearfishing stores. You can visit Adreno online at spearfishing.com.au or in store at their Brisbane or Sydney locations. G'day Nilbers, awesome to have, have you with us. Today we are finally covering off 101 how to free dive. I mean it's a long time coming. We should have had this done quite a while ago because it's fundamental to free dive, uh, to spearfishing and it's something that we probably neglected. So today we've got joining us from London, Pete Ryder from howtofreedive.com. He's a specialist in teaching people how to free dive. And uh, he's got a couple of products that we receive a commission for selling by the way. Just wanted to let you know that in advance if you do choose to go ahead and buy one of um, Pete's two products. They'll be linked up in the show notes. Yeah, so Pete Ryder's got a background in scuba diving. Um, he got started in Cornwall at 13 years old. Um, and, you know, basically one day he was out just snorkeling along the surface, checking things out, and he saw a big sea turtle come in, which is really unusual over there. And it was down at about eight meters and he's just struggled to get down. And it's triggered all these thoughts. How do I, I equalize? How do I hold my breath? How do I do all these things without all the ponderous amount of scuba gear on and so he's got an interesting story we talk about why spear fishermen should train for free diving what causes the urge to breathe what is hyperventilation and why is it dangerous we talk about shallow water blackout mammalian dive reflex and all sorts of things so enjoy we wanted to share awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water and that's why I started spearfishing. I just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet. And I'd never had a battle like that before in my life. So when you're learning where to hunt and find fish, they're the hot spots. It's where fish want to be. Don't overcomplicate your gear. Don't go diving dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started off in stubbies with a bloody belt with a pig knife on it. And I've seen this big fin break the surface, roll into the water, look down. Here's this nice, big, great one. <laughs> Once your face hits the water and you feel relaxed, the all the other stresses of life seem to disappear. It's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh yeah. Hey guys, a quick preface to today's episode. Today we're going to be speaking to Pete Ryder about two of his courses. Now, just to be clear, we are an affiliate partner with Pete. Now, I came across Pete's courses and thought they're absolutely fantastic and they offered or could offer a lot to our audience. So to be clear on that, we do earn an affiliate on any of the products that you buy through Noobsphero from howtofreedive.com. Now, moving on from that, I just want to talk about the one, the first of his courses, which is the 5-Minute Freediver. Now, I use this course to great success to improve my bottom time and increase my breath hold. Now, I don't think this is a course suited for the rank amateur, the, the person just starting out. I think it's for somebody that's already freediving and spearfishing and they want to increase their bottom time. Secondly, I just want to talk about quickly about the 10 meter freediver, which is Pete's other course, which is a fantastic resource for those starting out in freediving and therefore has its application for spearfishing. However, I just want to make it clear that the scope of the course doesn't cover the unique set of risks that are associated with spearfishing. So it's important to keep that in mind before purchasing and before going diving. So without further ado, it's over to Shrek. So today, Turbo, we've got Pete Ryder joining us from howtofreedive.com. How did Pete, Pete come on your radar and what sort of put you onto his courses? Yeah, so I think actually you sent me a link 
uh, I don't know, yeah, quite a while ago. I think it was you or maybe maybe Champ sent it to me. <laughs> champ? Yeah, oh. you were Champ. Either way, I don't know. But, um, yeah, he sent me a link to it and I had a bit of a look at it and I didn't do much with it because I was still sort of getting out of SIG at the time, the Cigatera poisoning, and I didn't really do much with it. And then I realised my Kato trip, my Kato reef spearfishing trip was looming and... Not only had I not been doing training, but after the Ciguatera, I was well out of shape, well out of dive fitness, the whole lot, and basically I had to start from scratch. So I sort of remembered your link that you sent me, and I went and did um, Pete's like free introductory course. I think it was Champ's link, but anyway. Uh, whatever. Whoever sent it to me. But yeah, either way, I did that. Um, I did that link, and I was like, yeah, this is actually really good. I really liked it. So I paid for it, and I um, and I started his five-minute freediver course. Yep. And um, yeah, no, I really liked it, really enjoyed it. Like um, all the slides, all the video, the tuition's really good. But the thing that I really liked in, in it was it actually had a 28-day um, plan to get you to five minutes. Yeah. So And you're still not finished it. No, I still haven't, haven't finished it yet. But um, so I, I've used that as prep for uh, this upcoming um, trip. So in my mind, I've spent a, I, I spent a lot of money on these trips. I spent a lot of money on new gear. And sort of thought, well, this is not a lot to spend on actually improving the probably the most fundamental part. That's my ability to free dive. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so basically, yeah, I committed to doing that every day. Also threw in um, gym sessions just to get my lower body stronger so I've got better finning. And, um, yeah, and then obviously bought you know, a heap of gear as you do before you go on these trips. And then you reached out to Pete and said, hey, Pete, um, I've done your course. Um, we've got a, a, you know, like a spearfishing community. Uh, with a lot of guys that are learning how to spearfish, and yeah. you've asked them what? Yeah, I, I said, look, I, I saw the value in it straight away because within, within about the two-week period um, of doing the training course, I went for like my first dive back, and I was better than when I actually, before I got sick, so I, I was stoked with that. I was hitting good depth, holding good bottom time, and got a couple of good fish. So I was like, well, hang on. Well, this has got to be good for pretty much everybody. Yeah. Like, and it, and the quality of the course is just set out so well. Um, so, yeah, so I sort of reached out to Pete and had a, got him on Skype and had a chat with him and told him about what we do and um, got him to send me some more info and had a look at the rest of his courses. And uh, he sent me stuff on the 10-minute freediver course, 10-meter freediver course, Yeah. which I would have loved to have had when I – Originally first started, looking back, if I'd had that course within the first couple of weeks of me starting in the first month, it would have been fantastic. Like it, like equalizing, finning, you Sa- know, saves you learning everything the hard way. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's just, it's just good quality and it's set out well. And it's, it's, it's basic banana stuff, but, yeah, but yeah. it's, um, yeah, no, I, I thought, you yeah, know, that would be good for our, our so listeners the, as well. So the 10 meter freediver is for people like in their first kind of, what, couple of months? That really want to dig deep into just getting started. Yeah, yeah. so your basic raw noob starting out yeah. that's you know rock hopping or whatever, you know, it just wants to get down say eight meters and you know shoot some some good sort of shore accessible fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be great. And then the me. the five minute freediver is more for like guys like you that are training up for a trip or want to like make big big improvements in their diving. Yeah, I sort of got more that it's yeah it's more of a yeah, breath hold improver for me. That's that's how I used it. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's got it's got your CO two tables, your O two tables laid out. How to breathe properly. That was a good thing for me. Watching the actual little short clips 
and doing those three-phase breathing in your breather, getting yeah. all that stuff right again. I hadn't dived and I hadn't I hadn't done a course for a long time, so I hadn't been thinking about that stuff. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. was really good. brought me back to thinking about doing stuff properly. The fundamentals. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm up to, I'm on the 23rd day and or whatever it is, and I'm sort of, I've got a 4 minute 15 static, and I think the best I've ever done is sort of 4.15 to 4 minutes 30. Uh, yeah, I got 4.30, but yeah. Oh, dear, no, it. you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then, um, so, so you reach out to Pete, and he's come back with a discount as well for our listeners. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, like I'm really happy to say that um, Pete's given us 20% off. Ah, uh, oh, sick. Yeah, all, all noobs for our listeners. So you can just um, pump that code into his website when you're, when you're purchasing the course and you'll get 20% off. So, yeah, so howtofreedive.com, uh, use the code noobspiro, or you can find them in the show notes. Absolutely. Should we head into our interview with Pete? Yeah, yeah, this is a great one. So Pete's got some good uh, technical information for you on stuff that's in the course and uh, and stuff that you should really know when you start free diving. Matt, let's get into let's it. Get into it. So today we are joined by Pete Ryder. So Pete, could you tell us a little bit about your background with free diving? How did it all get started for you? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, first of all, uh, thank you for having me. Um, you know, it's safe to say diving has been a huge part of my life um, for a number of years. You know, I learned to scuba dive when I was about 13 years old. Um, sadly, not in the warm waters around you guys. It was in the freezing cold waters in uh, in Cornwall, uh, an area, of coastal area in, in the UK. Um, yep, yep. Back then, free diving hadn't really taken off as a sport. Um, but I remember you know, a number of people beginning to talk about it and... Uh, you know, the turning point for me really was when I was on holiday. Um, I remember I was scuba diving quite a bit. You know, I was a, a teenager at the time. Um, there was a wonderful reef just uh, off my hotel. And uh, I remember snorkeling all day there, going, oh, I really want to dive down to there. And, and, and there was one day I saw an amazing sea turtle, a huge giant thing. And, you know, this was a, this was a really big deal for me. We don't get sea turtles in Cornwall or anywhere across the UK. So this was a wow. big big deal for me it was around maybe eight meters down and uh, I remember just trying my hardest to dive down I was was trying to get down um, you know even just to sort of four or five meters but you know my ears were hurting I was was splashing and splattering all over the place it's like man this is this isn't good I I really need to learn this this freediving thing so um, for me actually at the time it was kind of like right how am I going to go about doing that you know there weren't really many freediving courses that existed uh, that I could go on. So um, I started really just just diving in and studying the sport, really trying to just pick up what I could from competitive freedivers, reading any manuals and books. Um, and I yeah. started to um, put that into practice, um, not in the sea actually, I started doing this in a swimming pool. So my, my, my early freediving days were all done in a swimming pool. And actually, okay. you know, th- that is actually where where I recommend a lot of people start off. It's a great little training ground. You know, there's no distractions, there's no, there's no fish, there's no rocks, there's no tides. Um, it's a really great place to start off. But anyway, um, you know, it, it was at this point I started getting the initial ideas about, you know, how, how do you effectively train for freediving and um, you know, started piecing together my own ideas. Um, you know, a few, few years on and uh, freediving was beginning to grow in popularity and then, and then there was an explosion of these freediving courses and qualifications everywhere. 
So obviously, you know, loving the sport, I then went and pretty much did every single training course that was available, um, you know, just, well, mainly to improve myself, but also to start, you know, seeing how I can improve my, you know, my own ideas for, for, for training for freediving. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, these, these freediving courses are, are fantastic um, and, you know, I always recommend them. But, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty complex. They overcomplicate things. They're very expensive. Um, and in, in my opinion, you know, freediving is a really simple sport. And, and I felt like a lot of the courses overcomplicate things over a three-day course. Um, and you better really focus on the, the, the core techniques um, that I think yeah. freediving is all about. Yeah, this is all good stuff. So, how 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 old are you now? What do you do for a, a job over there? So, I am now uh, the grand age of thirty two. <laughs> uh, so, I started freediving quite quite a long time ago, seeing as I was an early teenager. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Wow. Back at home now, um, I I'm a sort of uh, I'm in IT. I, I build apps and um, I build apps for companies, and basically spend my life. In front of a computer, which is really sad. <laughs> I'd love to be out in the, uh, near the coast the whole time, but unfortunately, the UK just doesn't just doesn't have it. Um, I was just trying to I was trying to piece it together because you said like 13 years old scuba diving off Cornwall, and I thought, and you said you know before freediving became probably a really big thing, probably about 2000, wasn't it, when freediving started kicking off, maybe over there? Yeah, I think so. I think you know people started getting into it then, but I, I don't know. I think. Freediving's really got going kind of the last, you know, 10 years, eight, 10 years. I, I think as, as soon as people started um, sharing videos on YouTube, you know, as soon as the GoPro got going, people started um, filming yeah. themselves doing it. And then suddenly people were actually experiencing, you know, almost firsthand what it was like to freedive. So did you, when you, when you got started, did, when you sort of started figuring out your own techniques for freediving, did you find someone else or did you have a book or what, what, what did you sort of, how did you go about that, piecing it all together? Yeah, so I, I, there was a manual of freediving existed and there was a number of, number of other little kind of uh, blogs at the time from kind of competitive freedivers. I used to kind of listen to interviews with them and how they went about doing it. But, you know, there wasn't really anything, you know, I'm not a competitive freediver and I don't really have any interest in, in that side of things. So for me, it was really about, look, I want to be a recreational freediver. What's the most effective way of me, me being that? And, and there was nothing really that existed at the time that would help someone uh, go those first, you know, those first initial steps into the sport. You know, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, how, you know, how to go for mega depth and be be really competitive but it wasn't something I was, I was interested in yeah yeah and i mean freediving when you do start going deep there's layers and layers of complexity equalizing becomes more and more hard and so and and i think it's the same thing for spearfishing most of us are not pushing huge depths uh we don't need to overcomplicate things we just need kind of like like i think you identify those core core training exercises and really getting getting good at those and making that kind of our focus rather than learning all the complex parts of the sport that you, you can dig into if you want to. So, no, that's cool. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly it. You know, it's, 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 you know, the kind of depths that, that recreational freedivers and, and, and spearfishermen probably want to go to, you don't need all the complex as, aspects. You know, freediving is very simple up to a point, and, and you, you can hit it on the, the nail on the head there when you're saying, you know, if you want to go for mega depth, Yes, it becomes a very complex sport and, you know, 
there's a lot more kind of training, a lot more stuff to, to really get into. But for the the more kind of uh, normal depths, the more common depths, it's just the free, the main freediving principles and techniques that you you, you can master. For the yeah. shrinks and turbos of this world, in other words. Exactly. <laughs> the, the rank amateurs. All right, Pete, so we, we sort of know where you're coming from now. How about, uh, I just want to get into sort of the meat of this. And um, and the first place uh, I wanted to visit for newcomers when they're holding their breath is the urge to breathe. Now, there's some misconceptions out there, particularly when you start, of what causes the urge to breathe. Can you run us through that? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions. You know, pretty much anyone, any 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 newbie you speak to is going to say, oh, you know, I'm I'm running out of oxygen. I'm, I, I can't hold my breath for a long time because I'm running out of oxygen. And and, and actually, that's a, a massive misconception. You know, um, it, strangely enough, the, actually, the, the urge to breathe is triggered by a, an increase in carbon dioxide carbon dioxide in the blood and i'll explain a little bit how that works so you know as you breathe air in um when you use your muscles um they basically use up the oxygen in the air um in a, in a process called um cellular respiration and it's, it's basically your, your muscles using the oxygen and they convert that oxygen into carbon dioxide now you know normally if you're if you're going for a jog or something you know that's why you start breathing a lot quicker because you're you're actually expelling the CO2, the carbon dioxide, you're getting rid of it. It's going out of, the, out of your body. But obviously when you're holding your breath, you're not able to breathe out. And um, you start then getting this buildup of carbon dioxide in your blood. And it's actually that that is the trigger that tells your body, okay, I need, I need to breathe now because I need to, ex- I need to get rid of this carbon dioxide. Um, so, you know, for most people, that, that is the trigger as, as to why you get that urge to breathe, that, that, that painful urge to breathe is because of um, a, lack, a, a, a rise of carbon dioxide in the blood. It's definitely not um, that you're running out of oxygen. All right. So that, that, that leads nicely into hyperventilation. So um, I wanted to know, like, um, you often see when people start to dive, they'll hyperventilate because they, they sort of think this is going to give them some sort of advantage when they're diving. Can you run us through what is hyperventilation and what why it's dangerous? Sure. So in the, lot, lots of people differ on the pure definition of hyperventilation, but I've, I've got quite a simple way of thinking about it. I think if you're doing any breathing that is not normal, um, whether that's I'm breathing slightly more deeply um, or I'm um, you know huffing and puffing, anything that's slightly different from your just normal relaxed breathing that would be deemed as hyperventilation um so i'll explain a little bit what that actually is so if you if you start breathing heavily you know if i'm doing um excessively deep breaths and excessively uh, big exhales you know, you know big breathe in big breathe out what, what you're actually doing is um you're lowering that level of carbon dioxide in your blood because you're basically pushing out more air and what that does is because you have lower levels of carbon dioxide in your blood when you then go and hold your breath you don't you, the, the the trigger of that urge to breathe is going to come a lot later because you're starting off with a lot lower levels of carbon dioxide in the blood now, a lot of people, like you just mentioned, think that's a great thing because they think they can die for longer. But actually, uh, hyperventilation is actually extremely dangerous because what you're doing is you're, you're removing the trigger um, 
that, that tells your body that you need to breathe. So you might be diving and you're going to have no idea that actually you are genuinely running out of oxygen. Um, and this is you know, one of the primary causes for people you know, blacking out underwater. And you know, hyperventilation is, is something that should never, ever be done. Um, you know, it, it's just not worth it for the small gains you think you might get um, you know, in your dive times. Yeah, see, I think it's something I did when I started, actually. I started out, um, I know Shrek, when he was hitting sort of that five-metre mark and he just was, he couldn't handle it. He started to hyperventilate a lot and I think he was pushing sort of six and a half metres there for a long time and quite <laughs> r- worryingly too. So yeah. it's good. We've sort of got him out of that habit and um, I just feel a lot safer because it's, it's actually a lot of weight to pull up off 6.5 metres. Um, and, and you know, but to be to be honest, like turbo's really helped me to relax. There's nothing <laughs> like relaxing on the surface when your buddy's holding your hips for some reason. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just find myself just breathing deeply and evenly, and there's no need to hyperventilate because I'm so relaxed. Oh, it's just organic out there, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> organic. Right? So you, me in the ocean. What What do you think spear fishermen in particular should train for freediving, Pete? Because I mean, we've just talked about hyperventilation and turbo was a bit cheeky, but I think we're all guilty of it, particularly when we start out, of hyperventilating because we don't want that urge to breathe. It's a Contra- quick gain, isn't it? Contractions yeah. are painful and they suck. Um, and it's hard to get used to them, particularly when you're not diving all the time. So yeah. I just wanted to know, you know, we've talked about hyperventilation, but why should people, and spear fishermen in particular, why should they train um, at full, full freediving? Well, with... You know, whether you're freediving or spearfishing, you know, there, there's tons of good reasons why you should train for freediving. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, I would say that. But the, the, there's two main standout reasons, really. You know, the first is if you want to have a longer, more enjoyable dive, you know, you just mentioned contractions, how painful they are. I know how painful they are. We all know how painful they are. You know, if you want to have a more enjoyable dive and be able to handle contractions, um, much more easily and at a later point you're going to want to you know train for freediving um you know it's not just your breath holds you know there's a whole load of diving technique as well where you know there's a lot of wastage and so you're you're wasting a lot of energy through kind of poor poor diving technique whether that's you know how you equalize whether it's your duck dive or your finning technique yeah that's all that can all be made more efficient to, to make your dive more enjoyable and for it to be longer but probably more importantly than that, you know, you should really train for freediving you know, so that you're safer in the water. And you know, we've just talked about hyperventilation there and, you know, understanding you know, what happens to your body when, when you're holding your breath. And this stuff is really, really important because straight away you'll realize why you shouldn't hyperventilate. You know, what, what's actually happening to me when I'm, when I'm diving? What are the triggers? What does it feel like? Um, you know, that stuff's really, really important to being a safe diver. And obviously you've then got, you know, the budding system, which obviously is is extremely important. You know, we're not just talking about diving with your mates here or spearfishing with your mates. You know, we're talking about a proper system, you know, where where you know, you're both really helping each other and you're looking out for each other. And, and and you know, that all exists. All these safety procedures, they all exist, and just you know, sadly, not enough people know about it, um, and mm. not enough people practice it. Mm. Yep, we've um, and we've been through that journey ourselves, and. And I mean, we, Turbo and I have talked to that many guys now on our show that have had blackouts or sambas or while lost, lost a beer. friend. 
Yeah, or yeah. even lost a friend dying. Like it's a super serious thing, and we've got our, our own personal diving practices have been impacted significantly by it, and and we 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 kind of lecture our crew sometimes about it. But uh, some guys, you know, they they don't do it. So that's great, awesome. So look, I wanted to go over the mammalian dive reflex because I think that's kind of poorly understood as well. So I mean, how can we how can we use the mammalian dive reflex to our advantage? Well, so for those that don't know, the, the mammalian dive, dive reflex, it's, it's something that all mammals on this planet have. Um, and you've probably, if you've dived already, you would have definitely experienced it. And, and fortunately, there's a little bit of help from Mother Nature here. As soon as you, as soon as you uh, put water on your face, your heart rate is going to immediately drop. Um, you know, no one really knows exactly why we've still got this um, or, or why, why mammals have it at all. Uh, you know, whether it's something from prehistoric days, that, you know, when we're in the ocean, I, I don't know. But the, the great thing about it is that, you know, if you're preparing to hold your breath and you've got your face in the water, your, your heart rate is going to slow down. And we can really use that. You know, a slow heart rate is, is what you're trying to achieve the whole time when you dive because a slow heart rate uses less oxygen. You know, it, it sends more, sorry, it sends less Blood to the to the to the muscles. The, the, the rate's a lot slower, so you're going to use a lot less um, air up, and, and that's that's what we want. That's what we want when we dive. So it's a great little little tool to have. Um, you know, just when you're preparing to dive, you just keep your face in the water. Um, you know, you don't want to be fully covered up on your face because it, it really is the, the sensations or the, the nerve endings on your face that causes the trigger. You know, just just having your body in is actually not going to not going to do it. It's just around the face. Um, but it's something we can really use. It's, it's it's a really handy tool. So a quick a quick dunk of the the face, and um, that'll kick in and, and give you a better dive time. Is that right? That's exactly it. Yeah, I mean a, a dunk will do it, but ideally you you'd keep your face, you know, maybe with a snorkel in as you're as you're preparing to to dive. Yeah, that's going to help really really help. Yeah, right. Awesome. Guys, if you're after more podcast action, go and check out our mate Jason Selms over at AustralianHuntingPodcast.com.au. He talks all things hunting, shooting, and fishing. It's a great listen. He's getting plenty of downloads. He's big in Canada, South Africa, even Japan. It's fantastic. Jason talks to experts in the field on all things shooting, hunting, and fishing. It's a really, really good listen. So go and check him out, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting, and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Moving on from there, the, the next one that uh, I really wanted to get your opinion on is what is good breathing technique? Can you explain that for us? And why is it important and, and what advantages um, can you gain from good breathing technique? Yeah, so I, you know, I think whenever I, whenever I speak to a lot of people, you know, it's, it's breathing technique that is totally underestimated. You know, people just go, oh, I know how to hold my breath. I know, you know, I know how to do it. It's massively underestimated. You know, I, I often um, you know, train people on webinars even and, and uh, go through the breathing technique and, and people right there and then without doing any other freedive training, you know, improve their breath holds by about th you know, 30 to 50%. It's incredible sometimes. Um, so what is breathing technique? So it's 
a really big area. It's a big subject. Um, it can really be broken down into you know, three main areas. Firstly, it's, it's preparing to hold your breath. Um, then it's your final breath. And then it's the hold, uh, you know, holding your breath. So you know, I'm conscious of, of time here. So I'm going to just dive into um, the preparing to hold your breath because I think this is awesome. This is the most effective, effective one. Um, All right, cool. I, I was just talking a minute ago about mammalian dive reflex and how that lowers your heart rate. Um, now, when you're preparing to hold your breath, um, I'm sure most of you are kind of aware of the concept called the breathe up. Um, and what you're really trying to do here is lower that heart rate even more. And you can do this purely in just, just a couple of minutes um, of kind of, pre- of preparation before, before you hold your breath. And it's a really simple technique, you know, whether you're lying in the water or, or wherever you are, you just take two minutes, um, completely relax all your muscles. You don't want to be tensing anything. And then you're just going to calmly breathe as you, as you normally are, but you're just going to exhale. Your exhale breath is going to be double the length of your inhale. So, you know, you, you might just be breathing normally in for three seconds and then you're going to breathe out for six seconds. And it's, it's, it's a really strange thing. The heart, your heartbeat actually kind of tunes in to your rate of breath um, and your, your, your breathing cycle. And it will just drop two minutes in. You're going to feel really relaxed and your heart rate's going to drop right down. And uh, it's, it's, it's a really, really effective thing. And it can, it can be done in any scenario as well. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a very effective thing to do. I wanted to ask, um, like with your specific, you've got a few different courses on offer that we're going to link up in the show notes. What 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 parts of the like? Obviously, you go into some more depth with the with breathe up. You talked about preparation, the you know the the final breath and the hold, and it sounds like you could talk all day for all of them. We were just talking about preparate the preparation before and relaxing. I thought that was awesome. Um, what do you cover off in your courses, and, and how can what do you recommend to say, like a recreational spearfisherman? Yeah, so as you said, there's the, the, the two courses. Um, you know, the, the free diving course is more about it, it, it goes into the breathing techniques and all that kind of stuff, but it also covers um, all the diving techniques. So, um, you know, I was just talking about with just your breath hold techniques, you can you know improve your breath holds by you know a, a lot of percentage. But it's also your dive technique. You know, if you do your if you do your breathe up for two minutes, you're feeling really relaxed. You then go and do some crazy. Uh, splashing uh, duck dive that's all over the place. You're going to, you know, negate everything you've just gained, and you're going to your heart rate's suddenly going to be up again. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you fin like a maniac going down. That's just gonna, <laughs> it's just going to exhaust you, and your your heart rate's going to be at its peak. Um, you know, you then might see some fish, and you're like, oh my god, I'm really excited, and then <laughs> your adrenaline's all up, and you both you might you might as well have not even bothered breathing up. So I, I talk about quite a lot of. Your, your, your diving techniques that can really help you improve on your on your breath hold times. Ah, cool, cool. So, I mean, yeah, you, you can do this with free diving too. You can kind of isolate on maybe just the breath hold and, and like you say, like everything else you do matters as well. So in your course, you isolate in on like finning technique um, and on, then on a duck dive, is that right? That's exactly it. So I take everything from, you know, preparing to hold your breath, um, your final breath, how you then hold, how you then go from holding your breath to actually, you know, how do you do an effective duck dive? What's correct finning technique and what speed should you be finning at? Um, Even things like posture, you know, your, your position when you're um, diving vertically down, it's going to have a huge impact as well on, on your efficiency in the water. Um, And, and, and also on, on, you know, how you equalize, you know, a lot of people don't 
realize that you know your natural reaction as soon as you dive down is to keep your head up so you're looking down at, at the seabed or looking at something but actually that's going to be really that really is hard to equalize when you're mm. that it puts a lot of pressure on your on your neck and your your um your, your tubes go into your ears which which is what you need for for equalizing yes yeah, so, so we cover all of those those kind of things um yeah the, the thing i liked about um the 10 meter free diver is like I, I sort of thought about it when i my actual first experience of diving and like in the, over the first month or whatever, but had that course, like there's just so many things that you do wrong when you first start. I mean, I had small fins. I kicked like hell, you know, to get down. Everything was erratic and fast. I saw a fish. Heart rate did go up. I tried to chase that thing around as hard as I could. Had no idea what shallow water blackout was. Yeah. You know, like zero technique. And I think, yeah, like what I, what I sort of thought in my mind and the reason that that you know we teed this up with you is because bang for buck in terms of gains early on i can i could see that it would have lifted my diving incredibly like incredibly quickly at at the start so that's what i really liked about it mate i want to move on peter i want to start talking about uh co2 training tables i know a lot of people talk about these. Um, I wanted to get uh, your view on co2 training tables because in in your other course the five minute free diver they feature heavily. So what are CO2 training tables and what is the goal and what are the benefits from this type of training? Yeah, so I'm, I'm pleased you, you came on to this. CO2 tables are a fantastic tool for kind of improving your, your breath hold. And as we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, I was saying the urge to breathe is normally triggered from you know, your, your, your high levels of CO2 in your body and your body goes, you know, I can't handle this CO2. I, I, you know, I, I'm going to kick in some contractions and I need to get to the surface. And actually what you do through CO2 tables is you're, you're, you gradually introduce more CO2 in, into your blood and your body then starts getting used to that sensation and goes, actually, it's okay, I can handle this. You know, there's nothing, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm, I'm okay with this level of carbon dioxide in my blood. So yep. the way a kind of CO2 table works, for, for those who haven't, haven't tried it, um, you basically, uh, it's, it's, it's a number of breath holds. Uh, you might do like nine nine breath holds, um, you know, let's say you start at like a, you know, um, a minute and a half and each breath hold will be a minute and a half. But what you do is in between each breath hold, you have a rest time and you know, let's say uh, you might hold your breath for a minute and a half and then you rest for um, a minute and a half. Next breath hold you do for a minute and a half, but the one after that, you're going to rest for a minute and 15 seconds. And then so on and so on. And you'll go right down to the point where you're resting for, you know, um, 30 seconds, say. So what's that, what that gradually is doing is it's, it's gradually increasing the amount of carbon dioxide in a safe way um, into your blood. And it's basically extending that, that time where your body kind of panics about, you know, the amount of carbon dioxide in your blood. Mm. So this, this will, should essentially move those contractions back further in time. So... Is that right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So your body will get used to the sensations and say, actually, at this level, I'm okay with that level of carbon dioxide. And it will push back the tr- contractions um, you know, f- f- further down. So you're not going to experience them as early on. It's a really, really effective tool. It's um, something I use, use all the time and, and recommend to people. Yeah, I, I, I found this a great one as well because I've found um, I'm not all the way through the five-minute freediver, but I've I'm pushing my contractions don't start till I think about two minutes thirty now. 
Wow. So I, Killing I, me. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Like uh, I was like, yeah, that, that's that's really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it's actually something I really, really focus on. I used to struggle. You know, a lot of people don't get contractions for a long time and lucky them, but I used to get them straight, like really, really quickly. So it's, it's CO2 tables have massively helped me as well. So in, in part of your, your course, so we do, the, we do the CO2 training tables and then you switch and you move over to O2 training tables. So can you explain the difference to CO2 tra- training tables and once again, the goal and the benefits? Yeah, sure. These? So the O2 training tables, you know, like I was saying before, you know, your first urge to breathe is going to be your, your common dioxide levels. But there's going to come a point, you know, if, if you train with the tables properly, you're going to be pushing back um, you know that that those kind of triggers further and further until you actually start getting close to your oxygen limits. Um, and so, what we need to do at that point is you need to then extend, you know, uh, how long your oxygen actually lasts for. Um, so we can then use oxygen tables or O2 tables to do that. So they're very similar to CO2 tables, but the main difference is instead of reducing your rest time. Uh, what you do actually is your rest time is it stays the same. So you might rest for a minute in between each breath hold, but you're going to gradually increase uh, the amount of time you do a breath hold for. So, you know, you might do one breath hold for a minute and 30, you then rest for a minute, and then your next breath hold is going to be a minute and 45. And, and you may do, you know, eight or nine or f- five different um, breath hold sessions in, in, in a table. So it's really extending, it's really pushing the kind of barriers of, of, of your O2 tables. And it basically, what that does is it makes your body a lot more efficient uh, with low levels of oxygen. It's just training your body to get used to that sensation. Okay, and they're complementary. The CO2 helps you adapt to higher levels of carbon dioxide because we're. it's almost like our brains are wired to go off with early warning systems. So, And then the O2 helps, helps us run leaner, like on less oxygen. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, and they and those two types of training just complement each other. That was that was extremely eloquent for you. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm impressed. Is that why you had your eyes shut over there? Were you I like was, putting was, this together in your mind? I was mind? trying to visualise it. I was thinking like I was actually thinking in terms of a car. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I won't. Do you, do you want me to go there? Turbo's looking at me like, oh, you're so awkward. But I was thinking <laughs> no, no, like, you know, like brilliant. in a car, like. Uh, you know, like a computer might just shut the engine down, say, because you've got a low level of fuel, but really you've got heaps left. You might have 10 litres left or something. Just, just as my, this is my crude analogy. We should have just you, left it. But then your O2 tables is like the, you're, you're getting the car to run on less fuel as well. I, I, that's, that's, sorry, bogan language, and that's just how I roll. I mean, it's wonderfully, <laughs> wonderfully put. I think I need to watch out. I've got some competition here. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you've actually got to um, dive well to, you know, sort of back yourself up. And unfortunately for Shrek, he doesn't do that. So he's still safe. <laughs> oh, look what your course has done to him. There's like new levels of confidence blossoming, blossoming in him. He had to put a pin in his head soon. So, look, I mean, I've sort of gone over it, but should these two types of tables be practiced together? But, I mean, we've kind of covered it off, haven't we? Well, sort of. I mean, you. You don't want to be doing them together. You, don't, you definitely don't want to be doing one after the other. I mean, I, I, I normally focus on saying, you know, you, you train for two weeks on one of them. So you might go, right, for two weeks, I'm going to improve my uh, CO2 tolerance. And then for the next two weeks, I'm going to focus back onto you know, the O2 tables. You, you, don't, you definitely do not want to be doing them back to back 
I really highly recommend you don't do that. Even alternate days, switching them up, I wouldn't recommend that either. You try and do them oh. in blocks. Okay. Right. Cool. Now, I, I, I have a question here that, that's not written down, and <laughs> I, uh, I, I want to know uh, VO2 max training. Your VO2 max, what is it? Why do we need to improve it? Yeah, so your VO2 max is it's quite a difficult one to explain, but it's basically how efficient your muscles are um, at using oxygen. So, um, you know, I was saying right at the beginning, we were talking about uh, the urge to breathe, and I was saying your muscles go through a process called muscle respiration. And uh, that's basically them taking the oxygen, using it up, um, producing various sugars and all that kind of stuff that, that you use to actually um, um, contract the muscle, and then it releases carbon dioxide. And, and if, if we can be more efficient at using the oxygen we've got in our body, then obviously you're going to be able to extend your breath hold times. Um, and there's, there's quite a few different ways of doing this. And, um, you know, as you'll see in the course, you know, I really focus on interval training for that. Um, it's, it's, it's a really, really effective way at improving your VO2 max. Yeah, right. Yeah. I've actually uh, come up lame. I've been doing some sprinting training and uh, I feel like I've got a bit of shin splints going on. So I've had to <laughs> neglect that part of my training. Shin splints? I think so. Wouldn't you have to have shins for that? <laughs> <laughs> like the, the seriously the diameter of his quads is probably t- 10 or 12 centimeters he's like a you know like a canyon like a canyon that you know the the big long distance runners he's like that but like but he can't run so. <laughs> thanks mate thanks oh uh, cool hey um so like how much so i mean you've got two different courses we've talked about so what, what are they again because i'm not as familiar as turbo is with them yeah so we've got the the 10 meter free diver and um, you know, as the name suggests, it's all about getting people to that first 10 meters, but you know, in a safe way with the correct breath hold techniques, with the correct diving techniques, um, and you know, what to be aware of in the sea, all those kind of things like that. Um, it runs through equipment and you know, how to weight yourself properly. And then we've got the, uh, the five minute free diver. And basically in a nutshell, that goes through a training schedule. Um, it's a 28, 28 day training schedule. Um, to get you to a five-minute breath hold. Um, and now, actually, th- none of that training in that five-minute freedive is actually done in water. You know, it's all done out of water, you know, in the comfort of your own, own home, on a sofa. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's all about kind of uh, dry training. Cool. Yeah, yep. Sounded like you had some some really l- loud manscaping going on in the background. What are you doing there? I, I think I did. You know, it's suddenly, it's suddenly some guy wielding a chainsaw by me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I, I just wanted to ask you, um, what are the dangers? Are there any dangers doing these types of training? Or where and, and when shouldn't they be done? Basically, your, your table training. Yeah, so in the course, I'm really adamant, you know, these, this, is, this is dry training. So you're doing this out of the water. Like, don't do this stuff in water. You know, it's, you don't need to. Um, you should be doing it at home in a very comfortable chair where you can kick back, relax. Um, you know, some people very stupidly think it's a good idea to do them in the bath. You know, that, that is not a good idea. You know, don't do them in the bath. Don't do them in the swimming pool. Other than that, they're extremely safe because, you know, you, if, if you're seated comfortably and anything happens, you're just sitting in your armchairs. You know, they're, they're very, it's a very, very safe way to train. And actually, um, dry training is, is, is my favorite way of training because when you get in the water, the mammalian diflip reflex kicks in and actually everything's a lot easier. Um, so... Yeah, it's all dry training. 
Where where have you been doing your training, Turbo? Because you've bought Pete's products. What where are you doing your training? I feel you're setting me up here. Uh, just in the lounge room on the on the floor. I like to uh, do it late at night. Dim the lights and dim the lights. Uh, just go into my little. I thought you were doing it in your in your Ute at work <laughs> in the car park. That was what you said the other day. No, nah, you're dreaming. You said you were doing it before work. I'm sure of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll do it do it out the back. Yeah, behind the smoker room. Yeah, behind the smoker <laughs> room, eh? What else do you do behind the smoker? <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> where did you learn, Pete? Where did uh, like um? You I mean, idiot! You've lost your plot here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about this, Pete. He's trying to come up with a clever one, but he's just lost it. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, I didn't really. I was actually genuinely interested to find out where you where you were doing the training because I thought you were I'm doing it at your yeah. mum's house. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just behind behind the smoking shed <laughs> <laughs> at my mum's house. Oh, Making the switch from plastic freediving fins to a carbon or composite freediving blade makes a huge difference. You don't feel like you're finning through mud anymore. Fatigue and soreness in the ankles goes away. Penetrator blades are lighter and more reactive and they've improved my diving and I'm sure they're going to improve yours. Check out the custom Noob Spiro Octopus Edition at noobspiro.com or for the full range of penetrator fins, head over to penetratorfins.com. Pete, what sort of, uh, I don't know if we've probably covered this question as well, you know, sort of how much improvement can somebody expect? Do you think with the five-minute freediver, put it this way, I'm day 23 in and I've been on day 23 for a little bit, so I think I'm up to the four-minute 15 mark. Wow. And uh, But I've been there for, it took me, I think, two or three days to get there. What sort of um, success rate are you having with people getting to that five-minute mark? You know, it's... I, I thought actually I would have a little less success rate because it's hard work, as, it, as you find out. You know, you do need to be committed and, and people often aren't able to do, you know, training every day. But the people that mm. do, it's a very high success rate. I get a lot of people come in being like, I can't believe it. I hit the five-minute five, five minute mark. It was incredible. And, this, mm. you know, I did it in just like five weeks or whatever. You know, I think the great thing about the course and, and you know, I, I do say, yeah, how to reach five minutes in 28 days but you don't have to do it in 28 days strictly. You know, the course is a, is a schedule that you can extend. You can extend it to six weeks, you can extend it to two months. And, uh, you know, I've had some people come back and say, yeah, you know, I did take two months doing it because I couldn't commit to it massively, but I reached the five minute mark. I think it's a, you know, when you understand how the body works, you know, that it's, a, it's some simple principles. And if you just work on those, your body will respond. You know, it's, it's, it's much like a, you know, if you're training for a marathon, that there is a set way to train for a marathon, and you know that after that point, you'll be able to do a marathon. It's very much the same. Mm. I was going to ask you. I mean, you've heard a little bit about Turbo. He's at four minutes fifteen. I think that's phenomenal. Is he? Is he one of the greatest case studies you've seen of your course? Because, I mean, I saw him before he did your course, and like, uh, it wasn't pretty, Pete. Like, um, a lot of the time, we'd shoot fish for him. And we just like, let him hold them for photos and that. And uh, I think he's got to go down as you know the zero to hero success story. Oh, nice, <laughs> thanks, Pete. We might, you might have to do a testimony up for that. That's awesome, Turbo. So another another question I wanted to ask: Do you think all of his problems? <laughs> go on, get it out of your system. Uh, do you think his problems are like 
genetic or, 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 or psychological, you know, like the nature versus nurture kind of thing. Because, like, I mean, you can look at things and analyse them in heaps of different ways because if he's overcoming both of those barriers, I think that's even more impressive. <laughs> I think, you know, there's a lot of psychological stuff going on but and, and people, I've had some people get in touch with me and say, look, I'm not in the greatest of shape. I'm, you know, I'm not young. Can I still do the course? Will it still be effective? And I say, yeah, sure you can. You know, you don't, you know, holding your breath isn't necessarily anything to do with your, your kind of your, your weight or anything like that. You know, yep. it genetically doesn't matter. You know, these, these competitive freedivers, they're not, there's nothing special about them. They've just trained. Um, yeah, yeah. And, okay. it, and it's, it's the same with a lot of things. Mm. Ah, it's good. It was a serious answer to a pretty silly question. So well done. No, that's it for that's it for me, Pete. I haven't really got any more questions. Um, but um, we're gonna we're gonna link up heaps of the stuff we talked about in the show notes. I've got one, Pete. Um, and we get this a lot: uh, shallow water blackout. Can you explain to us exactly what's going on in the body with uh, samba and shallow water blackout? I think that the chainsaw man is uh, is back again. So I apologise for that. With what, back, what did you do to him? Yeah, <laughs> we're mentioning uh, shallow water blackout, so he's, he's going a bit wild about it. <laughs> <laughs> he should be angry. Yeah, uh, I mean, basically, your your body gets to a point where you know it's going to give you all the signals to say, right, you've had enough now. It's time to head to the surface. You know, some people ignore that and keep going. And, you know, you're, you're basically going to get to a point where you're not supplying your brain with enough, enough oxygen. You, your, your muscles have used them all up and, and you're, you're out. You know, you're, you're, you're very, very close to, to running out. So your first signs of that is going to be um, you're not going to be that aware of what's going on. You're going to start feeling a little bit dizzy, a little bit like you're falling asleep um, for, for your buddy if, if someone's looking at you, the person's going to start doing some weird movements with their arms, their eyes are going to start looking glazed, they're going to start um, moving around all over the place, um, and they're going to lose their form completely. And, you know, that's the signal that they're, they're getting to that point. You need to get to them to the surface extremely quickly. Um, yeah. And it's essentially, you know, Shallow water blackout normally happens in the shallow areas, you know, around the sort of 10-meter mark. Um, and you'll find you know, a lot of competitive freedivers, when they dive really, really deep, and then they're, they're coming up, they're not, they're not going to black out at the sort of 50-meter mark. It's going to happen 10 meters and, uh, and, and towards the surface. That's why it's called it, you know, shallow water blackout. And um, you, you need to really, really, uh, being a buddy, you, that's what you need to watch out for. If, you're, if your buddy is, if you're, your diver you're watching out for is pushing themselves a lot, then you need to watch out for that. Any signs of, of strange behavior towards the surface, you need to get them to the surface right away. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially the diver's ignored all those warning signs. They've pushed through it. Um, they're getting to the surface, and then it, it's just basically the the so cutouts which so the, but the oxygen is the oxygen to the brain. There's just not enough to keep the brain powered. Is that right? That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. So essentially, they're they're, they're passing out. Um, you know, the brain goes right. I, I need to go into a sort of protective mode, so I'm going to shut the brain off um, and not turn myself back on until I get some oxygen. It's going into sort of preservation mode. Um, you know, and, and if, if that does happen, you know, and someone's under the water, you need to get them to the surface. You take off their mask, you um, 
blow air on their face because that kind of triggers the, the brain to go, right, I'm, I'm back in open air, I can breathe again. You need to tap on their shoulder, hit them on the face, shout their name, anything just to trigger them to go, oh, I'm on the surface again, I, I can breathe. Um, and this is why it's so important, you know, being a buddy, you, you need to dive down, meet your but you know, meet your buddy at the 10 meter mark. You know, if you're doing depth, meet them at the 10 meter, five meter mark and escort them to the surface. You know, be really, really close to them. You need to be at arm's length away. You know, if there's, if there's any problems, you're right there. You grab them, you fin right to the top. Um, yeah, and that's how, that's how we can avoid these, you know, tragic incidents. Awesome, mate. And mate, lastly, for, for guys that, you know, are not going to likely purchase well, you know, one of your training programs, what, little bit of self-training would you recommend to them so i think the most one of the most effective things is to lower your heart rate you know if you can keep calm and i think probably this is even more important for for spearfishing uh, for spe- uh, spearfishing you know you're, you're going to be your adrenaline is going to be kicking in you're probably going to be ignoring all the things about relaxing and all that but you if you can keep your heart rate down you know do a good breathe up like i just described you know earlier on um you know, relax on the way down. Don't be manic. Really try and keep your adrenaline in check. You see something exciting, just try and keep calm. You know, if you can lower your, keep your heart rate low, your, your dive times are going to just, you know, extend uh, massively. It's, it's just when you're, when you're kicking around loads, you, you're on the, even on the surface, you're swimming around loads and then you're, you're diving down. You know, that's the worst scenario. You're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, all right. So um, stay calm, keep it slow underwater, and um, then you can conserve your oxygen. Exactly. All right, Shrek. What? Any other questions for Pete? We've learnt a ton. Good, we didn't mock good his technical accent. Technical stuff. We didn't mock his accent the whole episode. I thought we would. <laughs> We've, we haven't right. had an Englishman on the show at all yet. So I was waiting for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do some David Attenborough esque type thing. We might do it in the intro. That way, you don't know about it. Pete. Yeah, we can always add it. We can always <laughs> add it in in yeah. post. You're talking with the man from Dorset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Now it's been really good chatting with you, Peter. I mean, I've I've learned quite a few things. I I, I wanted to hear a bit more from you about the two the two courses because I know Turbo's having a lot of um, fun um, getting. I mean, I know it's a discipline, but he's he's been reporting back to me. Oh, my breath holds up to this, and I'm you know like I'm really charging along with it. Uh, and uh, so it's good to talk to you in person, mate. My and my chest, uh, my chest cavity just feels heaps looser and nicer from all the um, just all the breath holds. Yeah, anytime you focus in on breathing as an exercise, yeah. it just seems to, to have good benefits. All Absolutely, over. awesome. All right, um, yeah, Pete. Thanks for talking to us, mate. I've um, well, yeah. I hope our listeners there have learned a, a heap. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's good to get some technical info on this stuff. It's sort of a subject that we often touch with guests, but we don't really dive into it. Yeah, well, thank thank you so much for having me on the on your show. It's been been great. And they can find you at howtofreedive.com. That's it. Yeah. And I believe you've you've put a special deal together for us for our listeners. Is that is that That's right? That's right. So uh, it's twenty percent off any either of the two courses, oh. and you just need to use the code NoobSpiro, and uh, that will happen oh, right away. Cool. And can can guys connect with you on social media, Pete? They can. So I'm on uh, How to Free Dive um, on Facebook. That's probably the best place to get me. Um, or if you just want to you know, contact me directly, contact me at peterhowtofreedive.com. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, thanks, Pete. Thank you very much. Hey, guys. Really excited to announce 
that we have a special offer for all Noob Spiro listeners. Pete Ryder from howtofreedive.com is offering us 20% off all his courses. I have just finished, or I'm about to finish, the five-minute freediver course, which is aimed at enabling you to hold your breath for five minutes. I'm at the 4 minute 15 mark. I haven't hit those marks in a long time, and I, I find this course to be really well structured, really easy to follow, and I'm getting some great gains out of it. It's the course that Turbo and I both wish we had done starting out. It just saves you so much trouble and hassle. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 20% on all of Pete's courses. He's put together this deal just for listeners of the show. That's at howtofreedive.com. Use the code NoobSpiro. Shrek, why don't you tell our listeners how they can save some money on spearfishing gear? Well, Adreno have partnered up with Noob Spiro to offer listeners $20 off all purchases over 200 bucks. And how do they take advantage of this deal, mate? Uh, listeners can use the code Noob Spiro at checkout online at spearfishing.com.au or they can use it in-store at the Brisbane or Sydney stores. Excellent. And that code is Noob Spiro. That's right, Noob Spiro. Thanks for listening to today's show. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. To learn more about becoming a better Spiro, visit us at noobspiro.com and subscribe to our newsletter.